0: Welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Sabini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. Here we go. The offseason is over. It's training camp time. This is our training camp preview here at Flight Deck. Thank you for joining us. For the returning listeners, thank you for your loyalty. For the new listeners, welcome to what promises to be an amazing journey. This Aaron Rodgers season could be historic for the Jets. It's going to be one of hype, one of expectations, and we'll cover it all here on Flight Deck. We're going to get into it all in this first episode. In the second segment, you're going to hear from Garrett Wilson. And also, I'm going to get into some training camp predictions, some top five lists, top five compelling players, players on the hot seat. We're going to cover all that. In the second segment, for now, I want to get right into the nuts and bolts. Wednesday is reporting day for the Jets, for their full team, into Florin Park. The media will have access to a handful of players. The first practice is on Thursday. Remember, the first few practices are not in pads. They gradually build up to pads next week. A little different this year in the preseason. Four preseason games instead of three. The Jets, of course, Facing the Browns in the Hall of Fame game on August 3rd. I'll be in Canton for the entire, for all the festivities, for the game. And then, of course, on Saturday, the in Hall of Fame inductions for Darrell Rebus and Joe Klecko. I have talked to Rebus and Klecko recently. Uh, both really, really excited about what promises to be an incredible day for the Jets in Canton. I am fully expecting that place to be I, I don't want to say overrun with green because look uh joe thomas from the cleveland browns is being inducted that's only 30 uh, 60 minutes up the road to cleveland so there's going to be a lot of browns fans there but i expect to be there to be as much green as there is brown in canton that weekend is going to be a great weekend for the jets really looking forward to that but you know the jets As they've been doing all offseason, they continue to make news. And we had the Quinn and Williams contract uh, finally get done uh, last week. That was uh, a four-year extension for $96 million. I was on vacation. It just goes to show this job is really never-ending, but I was on vacation. I was arriving at a beach, a Long Island beach with some close friends, just about settling into my beach chair when I happened to check my phone and saw that this Quinton contract was breaking. So a little bit of my beach day was turned into a work day. Um, we got that story out quickly. And as I said, four years, $96 million. We knew this was close. This was close uh, weeks ago. They were basically in the striking distance neighborhood. Uh, I think it was held up a little bit, uh, in part because Quinton Williams' agent, Nicole Lynn, uh, probably the foremost female agent in the business, uh, had a baby about a month ago. So obviously certain things take precedence, so they put it on hold for a little bit. But the Jets were confident this was going to get done. You even had Robert Sala coming out and predicting it would be done by training camp. See, he very rarely makes predictions. Obviously he was right about that one. And it got done before training camp, and I want to put it in perspective a little bit. He got $66 million guaranteed. That's the most ever for a defensive tackle. That is the most ever for a player in franchise history for the Jets. He got $47.835 million fully guaranteed at signing. That is $5,000 more than Titans defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons, so that is the largest guarantee at signing for any defensive tackle, including Aaron Donald. He gets a $24.5 million signing bonus that's paid out over three installments over the ensuing months. And so basically, I mean, no one's it's a four year deal. Actually, there are two voidable years on there, too, as well. Twenty eight and twenty nine. But it's essentially runs through twenty twenty seven. It's you could look at it this way, a two year, forty one point six million dollar deal. If something unforeseen happens and the Jets need to get out of this contract, they can get out after two years. They would take a twenty point nine million dollar cap hit in 2025. No one sees that happening, of course, because Quinton Williams is only 26 years old. But, you know, the NFL is the NFL, and things can change on a dime, so you always have to prepare for those contingencies. But this was a no-brainer going for the Jets. I mean, all the top defensive tackles in Quinton's class were getting signed. The market was clearly defined. It's a young player, it's a guy they drafted, a guy who does the right thing off the field as well, well-respected by his teammates. This was an absolute no-brainer for Joe Douglas. It is also the first Jets draft pick under the Douglas regime to get a multi-year extension. That's hard to believe, but you know the Jets have either not drafted well or have, for whatever reason, alienated some of their top draft picks over the years and never really did long-term extensions. So that ends with this deal, perhaps the start of a new trend. It's a lot of money, but it gives the Jets cost certainty. And now you look at it, they don't have any major deals on the horizon. They don't have, I mean, they have some free agents next year. Some guys are going to be free agents, but none of their foundational players. I think until Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson are up for contract extensions in a couple of years, maybe Brees Hall, you know, if he stays healthy, he can get back to what he was. Then you have three players there, but not for a couple of years. So the Jets have a really good cap situation for the next couple of years. Now, the one thing, the one wild card in there is Aaron Rodgers, and we'll talk about him for a second. As you know, he restructured his deal to facilitate the trade. So right now he's only making $1.165 million, the minimum. He's obviously not going to play for that this year. The two sides have been talking for a long time about restructuring this deal. And basically what they did was they put fifty-eight million, that's guaranteed, into next year's salary. Ballooning that salary up to 108 million dollars. Obviously, it's not going to stay that way. They can easily bring back that 58 million into this year. They can add some voidables on the end of this contract for say, like let's say they say they had three void years, 25, 26, and 27, and they prorate it. Basically, they can get Aaron on this year's cap for about 13 or 14 million dollars. Get him the money that's coming to him. And so, the, you know, they have to pay down the road when he's no longer on the team. You know, those voidables are not free and clear. It's like the credit card bill. You know, it always comes in the mail and there's interest. So they'll have to pay the Piper down the road. But in terms of cap situation for the next couple of years, now that and Williams is done, the Jets are in a really good situation. Found this interesting. Uh, right now, they have $256 million on their cash payroll. That's according to OverTheCap.com, which puts them kind of in the middle of the pack, but that's not counting the Rodgers deal. So once they move a lot of that money, or perhaps all of that $58 million, back into this year's cap, the Jets will, in all likelihood, go to the top of the rankings. They could end up with the top cash payroll in the NFL for 2023. I hate to bring up the comparison, but it's kind of like the New York Mets. You have the Mets and Jets would be in the same city, both with the highest payrolls. And, you know, know, the Jets don't want to make that comparison. Obviously, this is not going well this year for the New York Mets, a team that, oh, by the way, is relying on some iconic, older right arms in Scherzer and Berlander. The Jets relying on an older, iconic right arm in Aaron Rodgers, so if you're a Jet fan, obviously you don't want to go down that road. Uh, but they would have the highest payroll in the league if they move all of that money into this year. But that's I'm going to stop right there with the Mets Jets comparisons. You you hope it doesn't go down that road. One other current event that I want to talk about is the Dalvin Cook situation. You guys, during your downtime, even during my vacation time, I was off for three weeks, was reading a lot about this Dalvin Cook situation. The latest from what I hear, according to sources, I do believe there's mutual interest. Um, Cook, still a free agent after being released by the Vikings. You all know this is a depressed running back market. You saw it with Saquon Barkley and the other running backs who got franchise tagged, could not get long-term deals. You saw it with Joe Mixon of the Bengals getting a pay cut to just under $6 million this year. From what I understand, I think Cook is looking to make about $8 million this year. I don't think he's going to get that from the Jets. I'd be a surprised if they even went as high as $6 million. Joe Douglas, like a lot of GMs, does not want to pay for running backs. I think he wants to see what he has in this group. Brees Hall, from all indications, is going to be ready for week one. He's their number one back. They have a promising rookie in Israel, Abanaconda. They got Michael Carter back. They got Bam Knight back. So they have pretty good depth there. And so I'm not sure it's the greatest fit for Cook, who's obviously looking to be the number one guy, and also for the Jets, who really want to get a cost-effective alternative in there if they choose that route. So I'm not sure it's a match. I think I'd be a little surprised if the Jets signed Dalvin Cook But like I said, there appears to be some mutual interest. I think the Jets are monitoring that. Uh, Again, I'd be a little bit surprised if Joe Douglas dives in and gives a significant contract to a running back when he knows that he has Brees Hall in all likelihood ready to go for week one. And that is the end of segment one. And we're back. During my summer vacation, I uh, made a drive out to New Jersey, uh, specifically to the Petty School in Heightstown, New Jersey, and caught up with Garrett Wilson, who was running a youth football camp, got to spend a couple of hours there and uh, got a few minutes to talk to Garrett, had an exclusive interview with Garrett Wilson. And I was impressed at the camp. He was throwing passes to different groups, different age groups. I think his arm was ready to fall off by the end of the day. He must have thrown about 500 passes to the little kids, but I guess he didn't want to disappoint him. But he was kind enough to give me a few minutes, and we talked about the upcoming season. We talked about Aaron Rodgers, of course, and we used the P word, playoffs. Here's Garrett Wilson.
2: We haven't talked to you since I think the beginning of OTAs, so what's it been like the last few weeks just getting a chance to work with Aaron every day? Yeah, man, it's been uh, it really special. I've tried to been
1: or try to be as much of a sponge as I can be and make sure I'm learning and, and um you know spending time with, with Randall and and, and um Alan, people that have been around Aaron so that you know I can make sure I'm taking up all the nuances of the offense and, and trying to put myself to where I am um, feeling hundred percent comfortable out on the field. But but it's been really fun, man, and obviously he was deal and, and uh you know, there's a lot that comes with it, though. It's yeah. fun to play, man. fun to play with. And, and, uh, yeah. What kind of lift can he provide to this organization? Um, I mean, that, really? the, you know, it goes, I say, you know, mm-hmm. it's got to be said, though. that's Aaron Roddy, one of the greats. And, and uh, you know, as long as we don't, we don't make the plays for him and you know, the rest of the teams that uh, make the plays as well, you know, we're going to be right with him.
2: Did you hear what he said about you? I think in his last press conference, he said you and Sauce have it, you know, can be the best players at your position in the league at, at some point. Yeah. yeah. When a guy like that says something like that about you, what, what's your reaction? Well, you know, he's, he's supporting his teammates. And, and, and you know, I
1: would, you know, say the same about any of my guys. And, and I truly appreciate it, especially to, that he thinks so highly of me and our. Um, you know, it's time to go prove it. You know, it's time to go through it. So, for me, that's the normal thing. Now I, no, I got to go prove it every Sunday.
2: You had a pretty damn good rookie year. What can you do for an odd <laughs> Yeah, uh,
1: you know, win some game. Yeah, yeah. That's what matters. And, and um, I feel like if we're winning games, you know, the rest of it don't come with it. It's all going to correlate, and, and uh, you know, it'll all happen.
2: Do you think this is a playoff team?
1: Um, I mean, I know we, I know we are. You know, like we just got to go prove it. It's all, about, it's all about proving it. So, you know, everyone, we got a playoff team at this point in the year, but... But um, you know, you gotta go play the game, go swing the white lies and and you know, that's when
2: it happens. And one last thing, uh, Garrett, uh, a lot of speculation about the Jets possibly going after Dalvin Cook. What I mean, obviously you know of him. You know, I'm sure you followed oh, him. No. Yeah. what is where's your feeling about that? Would you like to see him on the team or um, Yeah, Dalvin Cole, man.
1: But yeah, <laughs> don't I know like Dalvin Cook since he was at Florida State and yeah. and uh, I was a solid state fan growing up, so you know, obviously, I'd love to add someone that that talent, but you know, think the front office is gonna make the right decision, and, and that, would, that would be the best of him. I don't know. I'm just speaking on my
2: love for him and, and how he plays the game. So, show sure, obviously, you know, I'd love to play with someone like that. Yeah. And, and actually, I have one more. All these uh, Devontae Adams questions are being asked of of uh, Aaron. Obviously, that's his, been his guy for such a long time. People have compared you to him, you know, around the Jets. What do you think? Can you be? I know you have high goals for yourself. Um, can you be that kind of receiver for the Jets? Uh,
1: you know, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I want to do as much as possible to to put our team in a position to win as much games as possible, whether it's, uh, you know, whatever it is. We've got De'Vante and Aaron's um, connection with special, you know, and I would love to have anything at most, you know, near that. And at some point, you know, I would love to get to that point. But uh, the reality is I just want to do what I can and be the best me and, uh, you know, do what I can do what I can That's I saw
0: Obviously a lot of confidence from Garrett Wilson believes the Jets are a playoff team the odds makers believe the Jets are a playoff team Aaron Rodgers has put them into that stratosphere the Jets are on hard knocks we all knew that was coming uh the Jets are going to be in six standalone games during the season including The opener on Monday Night Football, ESPN, September 11th, Jets in Bills at MetLife Stadium. So it's going to be all Jets, all the time this season, which is great for us. You know, we'll have plenty to talk about. But let's narrow our focus here to training camp. This is uh, going to be a fascinating camp, which begins Thursday, as I mentioned, with practice. And, uh, you know, what you have here... Instead of doing the traditional positional battles, kind of a cliche, I'm going to break it up into different categories. All right, let's start with my five most interesting players in training camp. Number five, Jermaine Johnson. A year ago, this guy was a first-round pick. He was a top-ten player on the Jets draft board. Kind of a quiet rookie year. Did not get a whole lot of reps at defensive end. But the coaches expect him to make a big jump this year. He's a lot more comfortable. I think we're going to see more out of Jermaine Johnson this year. He's my number five interesting player. Number four, Corey Davis. For a different reason, we haven't heard a lot from Corey Davis this offseason. In fact, he has not spoken to the media. He was not at any of the OTA practices that we were at Um a lot of speculation about his status with the team, considering all the receivers they brought in. A lot of speculation due to his high cap number, $11 million. That is a starter's salary. They are paying him right now to be a starter, and I'm not sure if he's a starter on this team. Wilson, Lazard, those are your two starters. You know, is Davis your third guy? Is he your fourth guy? To me, Corey Davis is going to be very interesting. I would not bet my mortgage that he's on the team this year. Uh, I I mean, I still think he will be, but I wouldn't go all the way down that rabbit hole and say he's absolutely a lock. Going to be interesting to watch him. Number three on my most interesting person list, Zach Wilson. He's going to be overshadowed this year by Rodgers, but this is a big year from Wilson coming off last year's disaster. He was benched a couple of times. He... According to all the people I talked to, was learning a lot from being around Aaron Rodgers. We all know his boyhood hero. Can he make an improvement while working in the number two role? Going to be very interesting. Number two, Makai Beckton, Going to be checking into camp at, I believe, under 340 pounds with just a dramatic transformation. He was, like over a year ago, he was about 400 Really dedicated himself this offseason. He knows this is a make-or-break year. It's a contract year for him. But he kind of muddied the waters a little bit in the offseason, accusing the Jet coaches of getting him injured last year by moving his position to right tackle, coming out and stating that he wants to be a left tackle, not a right tackle. A lot of interesting stuff around Mekhi Becton. Has not played in two years. You know, how's he going to play? We don't know. He's the ultimate wild card So he is number two on our list. And number one, of course, it has to be Aaron Rodgers. This is all about him. He was fascinating. I thought he had a terrific offseason on and off the field. He handled it really well, committed himself. He's all in. I think he's got a point to prove. I think he wants to show the Packers that they made a tragic mistake by getting rid of him. So this Rodgers is fascinating. He's basically the offensive coordinator. He's the quarterback. At times, it looks like he might be the receiver's coach. He's doing a little bit of everything. He's taken ownership. Going to be really cool to watch that on a day-to-day basis. My five players on the hottest seats. Number five, Michael Carter, the running back. Coming off a disappointing year. He's now looking over his shoulder. He sees a couple of young guys in Bam Knight and Izzy Abanaconda. So, Michael Carter at number five. Number four, C.J. Uzama. Um, Kind of a disappointing first year. was not involved in the receiving game. I know he wants to be more involved. Jeremy Ruckert, drafted last year, had a real good spring. Can he overtake Uzama at tight end? They also have Tyler Conklin. So, C.J. Uzama, uh, number four on the hottest seats. Number three, Carl Lawson, took a pay cut in the offseason, had a Decent year last year, not what they expected. But again, he was coming off an Achilles injury. His future, this is probably going to be his last year with the Jets. He becomes a free agent after the year. He is supposedly in fantastic shape, two years removed from that Achilles surgery. So very, very curious to see what he does. Number two, Denzel Mims. It's a crowded receiver room, and I just don't think there's going to be room for Mims He's got talent. I think he's dedicated himself to trying to be better. This coaching staff, it's a new offensive staff, basically. So I don't know how they're going to embrace him or not. But I just don't think he. there's room for him on this roster. There's some younger, undrafted guys who are pushing for that sixth, fifth and sixth spot. So Denzel Mims definitely on the hot seat. Number one, I think uh, Connor McGovern, the incumbent center, re-signed this year at a very modest $1.9 million. Obviously, uh, his time is limited as, as the starter. He may not even be the opening day starter. So Connor McGovern, number one guy on the hot seat, could he even be cut? Well, financially, they can do it very easily, but I'm not sure they would want to. They have Wes Schweitzer who can play center. They picked him up in the offseason. So maybe it's not out of the question that McGovern would be cut. More More chances than not. I'd say he'd be on the team, but he's still on the hot seat. My five biggest surprises in training camp. Number five, Jamie and Sherwood. Everybody's longing for Quan Alexander. Well, I tell you what, Jamie and Sherwood's got a real chance to win the uh, weak side job. I think, or rather the strong side position. I think he could be a factor at linebacker. Number four, Urban Charles. Um, Coach is really high on him. Had a strong offseason. He is a bigger-type receiver who has a chance to compete for that fifth or sixth spot. Jason Brownlee, number three, undrafted at a Southern Miss. Jets gave him a lot of guaranteed money for an undrafted guy, about 200000 Really showed up in OTAs. Not the fastest guy, but very smooth, big catch radius, a guy to keep an eye on. Number two on my surprise list, watch Tony Adams at safety. I think he's got a chance to win a safety job opposite Jordan Whitehead. You know the story with the Chuck Clark, obviously the unfortunate knee injury out for the year. They pivot quickly, sign Adrian Amos, formerly of the Packers. Yes, another former Packer. But Tony Adams has the best range and the most speed out of any of those guys. And so he could surprise and win a starting job. And number one, I'm going to go with Izzy Abanaconda. Fifth round running back at a pick. Local kid from Brooklyn, New York, really, really fast. Like, he has Brees Hall-type speed, and he's going to flash in training camp. I guarantee you, in these first few practices, you know, when there's no hitting, the contact basically is extremely limited, he's going to flash, because if he finds a crack and he hits it, he's going to gain big yards. Now, the problem with Ibonaconda at Pitt, and he put up crazy numbers last year, but wasn't always the most instinctive guy in seeking out daylight. When he had a crack and he hit it, he was gone. But at times, he would run into his blockers and just wasn't the most instinctual guy in in terms of breeding blocks. But in the Jets' offense, with their outside zone scheme, if they can find the crease, like they did for Brees Hall, and he hit it, I think Abanakan is going to surprise. I think people are going to be talking about him the first couple of weeks. So those are my top five surprises. Okay, my three bold predictions. Um, Number three, I don't think Tim Boyle is going to make the 53-man roster. The Jets, of course, signed him as a backup quarterback. I think he could possibly stick on the practice squad, but they are going to be hard-pressed. Roster spots are going to be at a premium, so I don't see Boyle on the 53. Number two bold prediction. I think Joe Tipman is going to win the starting center job. The rookie out of Wisconsin, I believe, has the mental makeup to win that job. I think he'll develop a good rapport with Rodgers, which of course, Rodgers will have some say over this center position. So I think Tipman beats out McGovern and Schweitzer for the starting center job. And my number one bold prediction, again, I emphasize the word bold. I think Makai Beckton is going to get traded. I think the Jets have good tackle depth. Dwayne Brown, they're drafted Carter Warren, they have Billy Turner, and they have Max Mitchell. They have four tackles, and I just have a feeling that maybe Becton has worn out his welcome, and I have a feeling that Becton may not be disappointed by that. Maybe he wants a fresh start somewhere else. So that's my bold prediction that when push comes to shove on the final cuts, that Makai Becton ends up elsewhere. So there are the predictions, the surprises, the hottest seats, and the five most interesting guys. That's training camp. What do I think of the Jets like coming in? You know, obviously Garrett Wilson thinks they're a playoff team. I do think the Jets are a playoff team. I think they're going to win ten or eleven games this year. I think their offense will go through some growing pains early on. Rodgers knows the system, and guys like Lazard and Randall Cobb know the system, but everyone else is learning it it's kind of the opposite of what the Tom Brady situation was in Tampa when Brady got there everyone knew the system but Brady had to learn it so I think it's better for the Jets you'd rather have your quarterback who knows the system he can teach it to others as Rogers is doing but it's going to take a little bit of time for everyone to get on the same page so I'm thinking 10 or 11 wins this year for the Jets But as Bill Parcells always used to say, I reserve the right to change my mind. Ask me in about four or five weeks. Maybe I'll have a different take on it, but that's where I'm standing right now. That's our training camp preview. I will be out there for ESPN in Florham Park every single day, bringing you the latest coverage on Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Check me out on all different platforms, podcast, check out Instagram, Twitter, threads will posting jet content all the time from training camp it's going to be a heck of a summer thank you for checking in thank you to jeff scope and our producer and we'll talk to you next time on flight deck